Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bring in precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Painting and taking on all the plates to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and through their lies and make them fall. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get For the last uh, three years now, we've been running a public domain game jam starting on January 1st. That's because for much of my life, uh, there were no old works entering the public domain thanks to near continuous copyright term extension, uh, mostly pushed by Hollywood from the 1970s onward. However, uh, Hollywood seems to have finally given up on its obsession of keeping everything under copyright forever, or at least we hope so. Uh, so starting three years ago, old works finally started entering the public domain, starting with works from 1923. Uh, last year, there were works from 1924 entered the public domain, and this year, you can count, uh, it was works from 1925. Uh, of course, a public domain is somewhat meaningless if you don't actually use it. So the point of the game jam is to encourage people to really make use of those public domain works and to create something new, either a digital or analog game. One important thing to note about this year is that while there were a few, you know, mostly well-known works that entered the public domain in the last few years, uh, none of them were quite as big or as popular as the key work that entered the public domain this year, which is F. Scott uh, Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby, though somewhat notably Gatsby did not turn into a huge success until really a few decades after the book was released. Either way, with Gatsby entering the public domain, we certainly expected a few entrants in this year's Game Jam to be about Gatsby, but I was at least a little bit surprised that we ended up with six entries related to Gatsby out of a total of 18 uh, total entries. Uh, and some of the Gatsby uh, works were really pretty good, uh, but we'll get to that shortly. Uh, as with every year, the Game Jam is put on in partnership with Randy Lubin. Uh, and so Randy's here to talk with us about this year's games, uh, along with myself and Lee Beaton from TechDirt. And, uh, you know, once again, we're always really excited to put this on. And it's a really fun event that we look forward to every year. And we look forward to continuing in the future. Uh, but uh, Randy and Lee, welcome to the podcast. Great to be back. Hi. All right. So... Uh, well, I guess actually before we get into specific games, um, Randy, did you have any general thoughts on this year's Game Jam? Uh, it was just good as always to to return, to have an excuse to dig into the new works. Um, I think I, if without this jam, I'd be quite a bit more oblivious. And um, and like while I was you know disappointed we didn't have any entries related to it, it was really cool. Like we're now in the heart of like Harlem Renaissance era in terms mm -hmm. of what's entering public domain. And... Uh, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have been nearly as keyed into that if I wasn't looking at what works were entering. So, uh, always good to be taking a look at that, especially like when thinking through what might be some of the deep cuts that surface. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's a really good point, Lee. What about you? Uh, no, I mean broadly the same thing. I'm also, you know, the sort of the inverse. Uh, it's exciting that the game jam gets you to explore public domain works, but it's also exciting that public domain works give us a good reason to have a game jam and get a bunch of games <laughs> made and stuff. And I, I really enjoy that too. So it's really a, a great thing in both directions. 
Yeah, and to me, it's always interesting how how you know the games are also very different. You know, we really don't tend to see too much replication, even when you have you know multiple works uh, you know, or multiple games on the same the same particular work. Uh, and so it's it's uh, it's always it's always fun. Uh, but with that, let's let's talk about some of the winners from from this year's game jam, and uh, we'll just go in order from our announced list. Uh, the best analog game, and this is like a you know a board or card game style game that you play in person, not through a device. Uh, and that was Fish Magic by David Harris. Uh, does one of you want to describe? Fish magic because it's a it's a it's it's a bit different. Yeah, I, I can describe it, and I should probably also we should mention that David Harris won the same category last year with the twenty fourth Kandinsky, uh, which was a very cool game as well. And Fish Magic sort of continues in a similar. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say a similar type of game because it's very much not, but a similar tradition. He's doing the same thing, taking works from a artist, a fine artist. Um, and exploring them in a game that's very cleverly designed to sort of evoke what's interesting about that art. So Fish Magic is taking the Paul Klee painting called Fish Magic, which if you haven't seen it is sort of like a dark uh, with lots of bright colors, you know, kind of this underwater scene. It's you know, difficult to describe that type of painting in <laughs> words, but look it up if you haven't seen it. It's a very, uh, a, you know, sort of mystical looking, quite haunting sort of painting. And uh, this turns it into the board for the game. Uh, it adds a few little elements to connect up some of the portions of the painting to make them a board with nodes that are connected and creates a game where words are scattered onto these nodes that players move around and collect. And as they collect their words, they have to put them together to form a description of, as the, the rules put it, either a kind of fish magic or a kind of magic fish. <laughs> and uh, the, the game is about coming up with the best possible, you know, versions of these things that the group likes the most with a kind of cool mechanic in there to encourage you to do it with uh, fewer words and to encourage you to be creative with just the words you've got and not just chase collecting more words to come up with a really good one. And, uh, I think what what's neat about it, what caught my attention was in the same way as his last game. Like it's it's very informed by the artist and by the style of painting. I've never been a big expert in the the fine arts and the visual arts in that respect. Um, but his games, both of them, have you know given me stuff to think about and like made me think about those paintings in the right way. I think so. Where Kandinsky is a is an abstract artist or considered like you know an early uh, pioneer of abstract art with uh, shapes and forms and, and lines that are, you know, that was a game about manipulating the shapes and forms and lines in a sort of very freeform way. And then where Paul Klee is like a surrealist painter who's trying to more like evoke feelings and atmospheres with the works that actually do depict something more specific, that's very much what this game was about, about, you know, sort of pulling these little bits of creative ideas and words and language and imagery and putting them together to create sort of magical curiosity sparking things that, that you know, catch your imagination. Yeah. I, I think I had the same, the same reaction where, you know, it was pretty amazing to me the ability to take a painting and then really evoke the, the feeling of that painting within the game. Um, yeah. It is, uh, I was just super impressed. It's really, really creative. Uh, 
the, the way that's done that, you know, just, I mean, it's one thing to use the painting as a game board, but you could see a way in which you would just like, okay, sure, it's a game board. And then you could, you could layer all different kinds of games on top of it. But this right. particular game, like it, it's, it's surreal yeah. in, in the game and it, you know, it fits with a very surrealist kind of painting. Yeah, yeah, really, really magical in that approach. Like, you, yeah, it would be much easier if you were dealing with a very realist painting, trying to tell a story about that. But this is this was uh, this was super cool. And I, if I remember correctly, our, ju our judges we don't ask them to play the analog games. We ask them to sort of read through the materials and spend some time thinking about it. But we definitely had at least one, if not multiple, judges say this is really cool, and we're going to try and get this to the table. Yeah. yeah, which was exactly the reaction to the twenty fourth Kandinsky last year too. So you know. He has a knack for that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the the um, yeah the the kind of game that you actually want to play. Which you know, uh, not all of these are that. A lot of them are, but it definitely feels worth worth trying. Yeah, and I'll be honest, and this ties into another one of the games in a different way that we'll talk about later when we get to it. But while, of course, it's obvious how you could draw on public domain art in all sorts of ways for the purposes of gaming, you know, for imagery, for ideas, for themes, for whatever, certainly before these game jams, I'd never really thought about using a game to encourage art study in, in, that, in that direct way, right? Like, you know, this is a game about this one painting that is designed to make you think about this painting the way someone, you know, considering art would, right? And uh, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't really thought about that as a thing you could do in a bunch of different really interesting ways with games. So very cool that, that someone figured that out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to the best digital game. And this is uh, the first uh, of a Gatsby winner. Uh, and that was Rhythm Action Gatsby by Robert Taylor, or Tyler, sorry. Um, and uh, this was, this was a, a fun but simple game, but everyone just kind of really got into it. So uh, again, I don't know, Randy or Lee, if one of you want to describe what it is, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, sure, I can jump in. Um, so, uh, as the name implies, it's a, a rhythm game, like you, going back to Dance Dance Revolution or uh, Guitar Hero Rock Band. But in this case, what's driving the the rhythm, which is what you're you know, you're playing with your fingers on the keyboard, um, is the text of uh, the text from The Great Gatsby, um, which is also being uh, read aloud. And so it's you know it's, it's um, a really good way of really focusing on the text, but in a way that like you you're very much aware of the text but you're in this like interesting kind of flow state because you're partly distracted by hitting the rhythm cues and i think it just gets gets into a really interesting headspace and uh, i mean beyond that the the art and the animations were really great the um and the, there's music in there that's also that's also really nice and uh yeah i'm not sure how much uh there is for me to elaborate on on the the depth side but it's just depth side but it's just very delightful and our judges found it very very enjoyable yeah, and I think it's worth noting that it is original music composed for the game, uh, and it's like custom recorded narration by the game designer uh, reading out the passage. I think he said to me on Twitter, he spent, uh, you know, uh, had to do a bunch of takes and get annoyed listening to his own voice and figure out which <laughs> one worked. And, and uh, you know, it, so it's just got 
it's just got that attention to detail all through it. It's very charming. It's very, you know, it didn't, it's not lazy in any way, right? Like every little piece yeah. all the way through the rhythm game, there are flourishes in the animation that are custom built. The, the colors change there, you know, it, the, the music was composed and recorded for it. The narration was recorded custom instead of, you know, pulling it from somewhere else or, or using a synthesized voice or what have you. It's just every little thing uh, had a lot of love put into it. And I think that's what made such a short, simple, uh, obvious type of game you can get you everyone knows what a rhythm action game is um be worth playing and, and I, it's one of the few that our judges specifically said they played uh over several times to try to get a higher score or at least a couple judges said that you know yeah no it, and it's fun it's it's not doesn't take very long um and it's it's very easy and and you know you 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 pretty much figure out how it works very, very quickly. Uh, and then you just play it and it's, yeah, it's just like perfectly encapsulated, uh, little game based on, on Gatsby mm-hmm. and, you know, and using a, a mechanic that, that most people are familiar with in, in terms of a, a video game. It occurs to me, it's not something we ever really addressed, uh, cause it is based on Gatsby and the text of Gatsby, I don't, now that I think about it, I don't think that famous Great Gatsby cover that the imagery is referencing is in the public domain, most likely. Um, but I like that about it, too, I, I, uh, because it's not its not actually just lifting the cover art. It's no, kind of no. just referencing it in the design and the layout of the game, and it is one of the most famous images associated with the book. Uh, so I like that about it, too. Though I guess you could also say that serves to highlight some of the silliness of copyright, that yeah. that, that part of it is technically still copyrighted. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good question. I do wonder when that when that iconic cover was first used, um, and I I just don't know. Yeah, this would be the cover if you're listening and you can't picture what we're talking about with a sort of disembodied face, eyes and mouth floating in the sky above the city line, and it's a very you know dark it's blue the cover that's on most yeah dark blue. It's on most Gatsby paperbacks that you'll see. <laughs> yeah, and that's that is inspired the look of 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 this game where the the. You know the the beats that you're trying to hit are the the parts of the face. <laughs> yep. Um, cool. Well, uh, speaking of the absurdity of copyright, I think that's a, a great lead into the next winner, which is another Gatsby winner, uh, and this was for best adaptation, and this is The Great Gatsby, the uh, tabletop role playing game by Sigoli, uh, and you know, this one says on the tin exactly what it is. It's a, it's a you know standard tabletop role playing game, uh, based on the Great Gatsby world and premise, with with a few extra things <laughs> thrown in there. Uh, and you know, one of the things that that I found really cool about this one in particular was the fact that um, within the instructions to the game. Uh, they're making fun of copyright itself and and the nature of the public domain and what is in the public domain and what is not because you're supposed to generate you know different uh you know uh characters within the the role playing game um that are also in the public domain outside of the the world of Gatsby uh, but some of them are, are making snarky commentary on the nature of, uh, you know, uh, other copyright fights such as Sherlock Holmes, which, you know, I think 
for people who follow closely on the public domain issue uh, may know that, that some of Sherlock Holmes is in the public domain. Uh, and so there are still a few stories that have not uh, rolled over into the public domain and are still covered under copyright. And the estate of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle has spent many years and many lawsuits fighting to try and keep Sherlock Holmes outside of the public domain and, and, and still protected under copyright. And there's been a lot of back and forth and they've lost a lot of lawsuits, which is what enables us to have uh, Sherlock Holmes partially in the public domain. Uh, and the most, the most amusing part is a recent fight that they had with Netflix over the Enola Holmes uh, uh, series, which has gotten really good reviews. And the, the estate claimed that the parts of Sherlock Holmes that are in the Enola Holmes series were not uh, actually in the public domain because it shows Sherlock Holmes with empathy. <laughs> and, and their argument is that you can, you can say that a uh, non-empathetic Sherlock Holmes is in the public domain, but if he has empathy, that is still covered by by the copyright of the estate. And so, within this game, you're allowed to. It notes that you can use uh, Sherlock Holmes as a character as long as it is without empathy, and you must wait a few years until you can add in a version with empathy. <laughs> Yeah, it's very good, and I mean, obviously, it caught your and my eye right away because we've covered all that stuff. I, right. to, to to sort of further clarify how the game does it, it specifically, it makes the uses the term temporarily locked that you have some character right. choices that are available but they're temporarily locked until the marked year <laughs> and so you've got a list with when bambi the novel character enters the public domain and so on and, and i will note the other joke on there though it's even more obscure is the peter yes. pan one that is quite fun as well because people who are i guess even more copyright nerds will know that Peter Pan is a very specific, unique situation <laughs> where the author left the rights to it to a children's hospital, uh, which then profited greatly off those rights and, you know, used it to fund this children's hospital. So then when the rights were coming to expire, uh, the government in the UK, not wanting to have the children's hospital lose all its funding sort of just basically like gave an isolated uh, yes. essentially what it boils down to is there is a one time specific isolated clause in the UK copyright law saying this one copyright on Peter Pan they get to keep it forever basically as, as long as the hospital exists that yeah. copyright never goes into the public domain which is you know insane in its own way uh, but yes so, so it makes reference to that and then the other the other joke in there also is about Tarzan uh, which who is not named <laughs> right <laughs> feral child raised by apes yeah right yeah. Uh, noting that the the uh the burroughs estate there is uh very litigious on the trademark side even though technically has gone into the public domain on the copyright side has been able to use trademark to to try and block uh different uh adaptations of of tarzan or not tarzan <laughs> as it's not named right <laughs> uh, so there's there's a lot of sort of fun uh, pointed uh, commentary on copyright in the public domain in there, uh, yeah. but then the the rest of the game itself looks like it could be fun. I mean, you're basically building characters to, you know, in, uh, inhabit this Gatsby-esque world, and to go through a story which may or may not match what actually happens in the novel. But it really, um, I mean, there's a, a chapter by chapter synopsis in here which makes it really easy to start with something that is 
very tied into the to, to Gatsby, but opens it up for diverging. And I think like in, in that way, this is one of the most well fit to the values that we like to play with in in the game jam. In that it's like really ex- empowering people to do their own remixing and transforming of the works, um, in and, and making it their own and, and putting their own authorial intent in the mix. Yeah, and I, and I think that's part of why this one won the the best adaptation um because you know like the other two games that that we mentioned before are sort of really creating something new out of the old um but this one really was was more focused on on an adaptation of the old work and doing something different with it um and and you know and and very very cleverly and thoughtfully yeah um, so moving on, um, for the next category, which was best remix, we actually had a tie here and these were two games that had some, some similarities they're not, they're not identical by any, any means, but they had some similarities and basically came out even in the judging. Uh, and so that was, there are no eyes here by Jukal and art apart by, uh, shadow DX. Um, and so, uh, you know, both involved, um, taking paintings, new, you know, newly public domain paintings and, and doing things with them. So, uh, either one of you want to describe one or the other <laughs> or both if you want. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll talk to them a little bit. I mean, you know, they, they were both simple games and I don't think they sort of blew anyone's minds, but they sort of exceeded everyone's expectations once they dug in and, and started to play around with them, you know? Uh, so Art Apart is uh, the sort of the more straightforward one. It's a, essentially a digital jigsaw puzzle uh, with a few different paintings you can do and piece together. And so there's nothing, you know, uh, astonishing there. It's just a series of 1925 paintings turned into jigsaw puzzles, but it was just very well done top to bottom yeah. people all seem to enjoy it people who just went in to poke around found themselves looking up a little bit later and being like oh i've actually got sucked into trying to do this jigsaw puzzle because yes. he used um used some you know great choices of public domain music in the background chose good paintings built a nice interface for it that you that works really well and lets people switch between puzzles has a best time recorder so it was just just very pleasantly surprising i i think we sort of glanced at it early and thought well that's not that interesting but then it was just just very well done you know? yeah i i got sucked into it i mean i i ended up putting together a couple puzzles yeah there <laughs> because you go. It, it once you start i mean and i i i will admit i like doing puzzles and i do i do puzzles uh, semi-frequently um and but it was it, it was just a it's good it's well done everything about it was just you know nice yeah. and it was it was also you know a, as I was doing it, the interesting thing to me, at least, was that it was a chance to sort of, you know, explore some of these paintings just because you're, you know, you have to sort of, you know, understand the different elements, you know, inch by inch of, of these paintings. And I might not have a chance to do that otherwise. Right. That makes me think, not not that this is our time to pitch new games but you know when you see those the you know massive ultra high resolution scans of famous paintings that they do and will release with like an explorer mode that you know where you can zoom all the way into an absurd level and see like the flex of paint and stuff uh-huh. someone should turn one of those into like a big collaborative 
massively multiplayer jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> so you're in at that zoomed in yeah. level at the at the you know level where you can see the brush Each strokes stroke, and the, yeah. the piece of it, right? Um, and and it's a puzzle of you know hundreds of thousands of pieces <laughs> or whatever. That is a very fun pitch. Yeah. I like that. I had just not too long ago, I'd been looking up like what were the largest jigsaw puzzles ever. Of course, now I'm forgetting exactly what they were, but there were, there was like 50,000 piece puzzles. And there are a couple of YouTube videos of like people putting together these massive puzzles that, you know, take forever. Hmm. And then I guess the other one in that category, there are no eyes here is, uh, also in its way a painting puzzle but it's to, it's very different it's more yeah. like a hidden object game based on paintings in a way but it, but in a sort of abstract and artistic way it made me wonder if it was inspired by the analog winner from last year we'd mentioned before david harris's previous game the 24th kandinsky because that was about a bunch of kandinsky paintings from 1924 having players uh you know manipulate and copy the shapes from them and rearrange them and build uh, build things and this is about a series of kandinsky paintings from 1925 that have now joined the other ones in the public domain and it has a similar spirit to it where you are manipulating the elements of the painting this is a one short one person sort of more meditative of experience of just kind of trying to find your way through these paintings and figure out the little things you've got to click and adjust in them to tweak them around and there are some custom animations kind of built into the paintings which are quite neat as like elements of them swing over each other and stuff and uh it's very very short just kind of interactive artwork uh that that was quite neat you know yeah it it you know that was one where when you started it was a little confusing and i and i felt a little lost when i was messing around with it but then once you start once you figure it out you're like oh this is neat and again sort of forces you to explore each of the paintings much more closely than you might have otherwise mm -hmm. yeah and i think the you know the fact that it's a little bit opaque at first is in a is at least somewhat intentional right sure. to sort of you know match the abstract nature of the art itself right so yeah absolutely um and so moving on the next one was the best deep cut. And th this one, you know, really, um, you know, elicited strong responses from the judges, uh, and, and for, for good reason. Um, and we'll note that we are not sure how to pronounce the title of the game. Uh, and we've looked up different pronunciations and we're not convinced any of them are correct, but we're calling it Remembering Grusau uh, as our, our best guess uh, by Max Pfeffer. Uh, and so, uh, Randy, do you want to take a shot at explaining this game? Sure. So uh, this, this game has a lot of, of interesting facets, a lot going on. It's, um, it's a game that spans the digital and analog. So uh, it is a starts out as a browser-based game uh, powered on Twine, but throughout the course of the game, you're going to be writing a, let a physical letter on, on paper, which is very much drawing on patterns from the indie tabletop storytelling world. Um, and the the theme, the story of the game itself, so it's based on a piece of art called Remembering Grusseau uh, by uh, a Jewish artist, Felix Nussbaum. And uh, there's just and there's a lot of context that makes this a very intense um, game. So uh, Felix Nussbaum ended up dying in the Holocaust. Remembering Grusseau, when you look at this image, let me take a second to try and describe it. It's, um, 
it's a bunch of folks in a line in a field, uh, like like on, on a march or parade. Or it's unclear what they're doing, walking through through this field, and um, it it is is the type of image that you you might associate with like some of the death marches during the Holocaust too. Um, and so the fact that Felix ends up dying in the Holocaust and is is painting this painting that feels like eerily like a, a pre uh, echo mm-hmm. of the of something that could happen during the Holocaust already starts making it fairly fairly heavy. Um, I believe Grisau ended up being um, the site of one of the major concentration camps during the the Holocaust. I forget which one at the moment. And so so that's like there's all this context that's set up at the very beginning of it. And um, and so the the game uh, guides you through uh, think, thinking about and paying attention to the, the painting and the artist, and then also intersperses um, letters from. I don't remember if it was exclusively um, Holocaust victims or, or folks who were sending letters to Holocaust victims, but it, it just like deeply immerses you in this context as it charges you with writing uh, a letter. And it is just, um, it is very well executed and like deep, deeply emotional and just super interesting. And our judges were just like r- raving, raving about it. Um, so very, very worth checking out. Even if you don't go through the process of, of uh, playing it by writing the letter out yourself, just to see how it deals with such a, a serious topic um, uh, in such a, a interesting and, and deft way. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It's a it's just a really really powerful piece that um, you know. It's it's interesting to see. You know, when you think of games, you, you generally think of more, you know, light. Um, you know, maybe, you know, fun. <laughs> uh, and, and, and this really gets you to think very, very deeply in a very emotional way. Um, and it's, it's kind of hard to describe without going through it. And, and so I do recommend that people try and check it out, but recognize that it is, it is heavy. Yeah. And it is tremendous how it keeps the artwork as the focus in a way that enhances everything about the game and that's the game i was referring to earlier when i said there is a later one that again shows you know something i hadn't thought of about using this as an art study medium because the game does it shows you the painting it asks you to think about it it teaches you more things and more context and then it asks you to think about it again and it sort of keeps bringing you back to looking at this image and like anchoring everything to that and i just found that you know very fascinating I think so. Jumping, jumping up a little for a second. So there are now four art games we've talked about uh, that are specifically about engaging, engaging with art from from the year. And I think last year might have just been the twenty fourth Kandinsky. So I really love this trend that we're seeing of, of having people not just using the art as like a cover photo for for a game or, or topically talking about what the art was about, but really encouraging people to deeply engage with the game is such a cool trend and one I hope we see continue. Yeah, yeah so it's, a, it's a really good point. Um, I think, you know, it, it is interesting that, you know, when people talk about the public domain and certainly leading up to, um, you know, us finally having new works in the public domain again, everybody focuses on, you know, the books uh, and the movies uh, and and the music. Um, though music is a little bit more complicated when it comes to the public domain. Um, but, uh, but yeah, very little discussion of, of the paintings and the artwork. And yet it is interesting to see that. Yeah. I mean, four of the, four of the winners here all took paintings and engaged with them all in very, very different ways, but all very interesting, especially in sort of, 
you know, getting people to appreciate art, just like you said. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's very cool. And I think, uh, again, I'm, I'm not an art history expert by any means, but, you know, we are looking at an era that was pretty significant for the visual arts, from what I understand, right? With a lot of, you know, new or young movements and new styles emerging and, and a lot of things going on. So I think we may see more of that for sure with these jams. Cool. Um, all right. And then the last uh, award went to Best Visuals. And this is another Gatsby one. And yeah. this one was just called The Great Gatsby by Floating Table Games. But this was a, a, a sort of platformer style game. So, Lee, you want to describe that one? Sure. I mean, this is the, the one that I've written up so far in our weekly spotlight posts, which we'll be continuing as we move through all the the winners. Uh, this is, you know, we're talking about the all the great old art coming to the public domain. This is really cool brand new art that someone <laughs> made based on a public domain thing. Um, no, it's just, a, it's just a great, great looking little work. Uh, it's a retro pixel art style platformer, a pretty simple platformer game, but it's just very well done. It has a great color palette that I think was actually uh, used from somewhere else. Uh, someone else had designed that color palette and uh, just really well-made uh, pixel graphics top to bottom. You get a, you launch into the game with a great title screen of the uh, TJ Eckelbert eyes, famous image from Great Gatsby. You've got these cityscapes with pixelated haze in the air and, you know, flags waving in the breeze and all of these other beautiful little details like that cityscape in the background um it was you know a lot of time when you see platformers in game jams uh with good reason they are uh just a sort of mechanical prototype or not a whole lot more than that um because that is sort of you know the the thing you really have to nail if you're making a full platformer that you really want to be like a, a really popular play experience or whatever you need those core mechanics to feel great so you spend a lot of time fine tuning those before you go designing levels and stuff in this case because i don't think the goal of this was to be the next most fun platformer in the world but rather to be a really cool and good looking platformer telling the story of a chunk of the great gatsby uh, it's not just a mechanical prototype. It, it is, it, despite being very short, a, a fully formed game. You, you've got an introduction with some story intro. You have a first level, which you get to a halfway point and then have to backtrack through the first level. Then you have a second level that feels different and introduces some new types of obstacles and some moving obstacles that weren't there before. You have a couple story scenes with NPCs where you have to respond to questions they ask you with a yes or no. So it kind of just is a full, fully formed game with a beginning, a middle, and an end, and all the elements are there, which was really cool. You know, you, you, not a lot of people do, and you don't have to go all that way for a game, design, a game jam game. But in this case, they did. It looked great top to bottom. Lots of handmade details for parts of some of the sprites and stuff that appear on screen. Things where it would have been easy to reuse an, an asset from one spot in another spot, but instead it's got something custom to look a little nicer in, in that spot. Um, just, a, just a really great, I, I would say probably visually among the, the most polished games we've had in any of the game jams. 
Yeah, I think it definitely, though I will, I will say I had trouble with it. <laughs> I, I could not get the double jump to work the way, I mean, it worked. It was, it was me. It was not the game's problem. <laughs> it was, it was a me problem. Is, uh, it, 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 is, it is a little bit difficult, but yes, I mean, you couldn't get past the first jump, so yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a <laughs> <No>. problem. <laughs> I, I, got, I got the first jump. It right, was the right. second oh, the jump second. that was <laughs> the problem. Yes. Yeah, not, not the most forgiving of games. A steep immediate learning curve, perhaps, but yeah. But still I mean, beautiful. Which is a which is a classic platformer thing. Some people, you know, there is a whole genre of platformer players who that's what they want out of one. Um, so it's a perfectly reasonable approach to take with a design to make it, you know, a pretty tough, unforgiving platformer. I, I don't know if it's what I would have chosen if the goal is to get people through the full sort of Great Gatsby vignette. But, I mean, it also wasn't... Uh, I didn't find it impossible. It took me a few tries to get through that second level, especially. But uh, it was, you know, it was reasonable. <laughs> Yes, I'm just not good at, at games like that, apparently. <laughs> I think you just, you must be doing something wrong with the double jump because. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I could not figure it out, but it, it did look cool. I will, I will grant you that. And, and everybody else who played it liked it. <laughs> I was the only one who had trouble, I think. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it, it was, it's, I mean, it's a real game. Like you can yeah. go and you can, you can play it if you're yeah. not, if you're not a klutz like me. You know, you can double jump at any time during the jump arc, right? The second yes. jump. Can, okay. Yes. This was, <laughs> this was, I got it. I understand. It just, it just like you had to time everything perfectly. And I apparently do not have that capability. <laughs> never, never, ever play Super Meat Boy or, okay. or uh, Celeste or really any, any modern platformer, <laughs> I guess. It isn't, you know, yeah. Uh, yes. Well, yes. The, the thing is, like, my, my uh, platformer game uh, experience probably ended around 1985. Right, so right. I'm I'm a little rusty. That's when I was born. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I'm I'm the old man. So, um, cool. Uh, or, uh, Randy, did you have any other comments on on the on the platformer? <laughs> no, no, not just that. Go in knowing that if unless you're like really into platformers, you might struggle a little bit, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And go in also knowing that. If you're familiar with platformers, I think these two are overselling how difficult it is. It's not that bad. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I no, I'm I am not saying that anyone else will have problems with it. I am it's, only I, saying I, that yeah. I did. <laughs> I I will grant it was frustrating enough that I wasn't thrilled about being sent all the way back to the beginning of the first level, even during the return trip after what seemed like it should have been a checkpoint. I I will I grant see. that that felt like a bit much, but uh, yeah. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Um, so th those are all the award-winning games. Is there any other ones that, that didn't necessarily win awards that anyone wanted to talk about? I'm just looking over the list real quick. Sure. Yeah. There were a few interesting things there. None that super stood out to me that I have a lot to say about right now, but like I would encourage people to go take a look at some of the other stuff that's in there. Um, yeah, you know, we didn't we got few more entries than last year, not as many entries as the first year, which was the big, you know, finally stuff's going in the public domain. Um, but we got a cool array of stuff. Uh, yeah, so there there is stuff in there worth checking out. We also, you know, we did have a couple games that didn't quite. Uh, meet the requirements of like actually being based on a 1925 work so you know but that doesn't mean they're not worth checking out and they're still in there in the submissions page right so totally. and, yeah. and the, the submissions really span from 
um, board games that use some like interesting mechanics and art from the period or characters from the period to other storytelling games. Um, it's really, you know, there, there's a, a nice breadth too. So it's good to see that we're continuing to attract yeah. designers from, from multiple different. And, and yeah, I mean, there, there are a few interactive fiction books, uh, interactive fiction works that didn't, didn't win any awards this year. In the past, we've had some really, really good ones. Um, and there's lots of interesting things that can be done with interactive fiction. Um, and you know, this year's entries didn't necessarily, you know, that they, they didn't win awards, but there's still some interesting attempts. Um, I thought the, 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 the other one that stood out a little bit in my mind just as it was creative and I was tempted to sort of figure out how it actually worked um, was the game number 41-7, um, which had some really, I think, creative thinking in it, though it was a little tough for me to wrap my head around how the game actually played. Yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, that, that is an interesting one worth, worth digging into a bit more, perhaps. Yeah. So and and there you know some of the other games are were pretty pretty interesting as well. I mean, it's sort of worth um, you know checking them out and and seeing seeing the different the different ideas there. Um, but um, you know overall, you know I I was really happy with with this year's you know uh, entrance, and I thought that people showed you know tremendous amount of creativity and. Um, you know, I, I had expected that, you know, there would be a few Gatsby works. I didn't think it would be as many um, as we got. I, well, I just a contributing factor, there was a Gatsby game jam that was running concurrently that other folks were organizing. So I think yeah. some folks who were already excited about that also submitted to ours, which is totally great. And yeah. then we did have a, a reader of ours go solicit some of those people, like just notice spot people who had submitted to Gatsby game jams and leave them comments yep. saying, hey, you should submit it here too, which is great. And thanks to them for doing that. So, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That was, that was very, very cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a fun thing to do every year. And, you know, uh, if, if, you participated or are interested in participating in the future, you know, you can start thinking about works that go into the public domain works from 1926 for next year. It might be a little early, uh, but you can start, start thinking about it. Well, also because as you mentioned earlier, that things are a little more complicated with sound recordings, but as I understand it, next year is a pretty big year for sound recordings entering the public domain, right? Because some of the yes. extended, the extended protections on pre-1923 sound recordings end. So we're, we haven't talked yet about if we're, you know, might make yeah. any adjustments to the rules of the game to bring that in, but I don't want to leave that stuff fall by the wayside just because it's not from 1926. Uh, we're going to have to talk about yes. how we want to approach that, but there could be some interesting stuff going on there too. Maybe yes. we just have to have a public domain uh, remix competition as well as the game at the same we'll, time. We'll, we'll have to figure that out. Yeah. Yes, because the the sound recordings situation is a mess because sound recordings were not under federal copyright until the 1970s, 1972, February 15th, 1972. And um, so works before that are under copyright, but under this sort of mess of um, state law copyright. But thanks to the Music Modern Modernization Act of a few years ago, three years ago, about two years ago now, um, those works are becoming federalized slash going into the public domain. And so this includes sound recordings from way before, you know, going back to the beginning of sound recordings. Yeah, um, and up to 1922, I think, right? Like before yes. 1923, right, yeah. So maybe we will just have to have a gaming like it's 
1926 and or 1922 yeah. <laughs> game jam we'll see we'll we'll see and i mean it's it's a really interesting thing because there are a lot of you know like early jazz works um which many of which have been kind of locked up um uh, because it's not even entirely clear who owns the copyright or or you know if people do uh, and so people haven't been willing to do anything and so there's a lot of early jazz sound recordings that that very few people have heard um, that will finally be entering the public domain next year. And that's actually very exciting. Yeah. I, if there's any, you know, people with a sort of real interest in music theory or music history or what have you out there, in the same way that these uh, art games have shown such great ways yeah. of, you know, using games to like explore art and art history and its meaning, I think there's a lot of opportunity for the same thing with some of these treasure troves of old sound recordings coming out. So. Hopefully that sparks some ideas, and I think there is, you know, it's never too early to start looking at what's going to yeah. enter the public domain next year. And flip side, not everything has to be about our jams. There's still plenty more stuff that <laughs> entered the public domain this year, and people should yeah. continue exploring that too because part of the point of this is to remind everyone, you know, the public domain is finally getting bigger every year, and that's a good thing, and we should be always keeping an eye out and, and seeing what's interesting and what can be done with it. Yeah, and that reminds me, there was somebody who who said they had wanted to enter but didn't complete in time, and they had posted in the forum the uh, original scene that they had created um, for, for I'm suddenly blanking on which work. Do you, I don't know if you guys remember. I don't, but uh, it was like a fully 3D game, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, I... It looked amazing. <laughs> it, yeah, no, it was uh, it was very cool. Um, and so, like, keep keep working on that stuff. <laughs> like, there's... and it's uh, H.P. Lovecraft's The Festival. Ah, the that's game. what it was. That's what it was right. Based on, yeah, I thought it was an H.P. Lovecraft thing, but I didn't remember. Yeah. Um, and that but yeah, it looks amazing. great. It it looks like the prototype of you know a, a full fledged horror game release based on Lovecraft. <laughs> so yeah. Like it, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, this stuff is all in the public domain, uh, as are all the works from before 1925, excluding sound recordings. But um, yeah, it, it's it's cool to see what people are doing with this stuff. Um, and I just peeked ahead to to next year, uh, just to see what are some of the most famous works. And it looks like, I mean, the sun also rises. While not as big as the Great Gatsby, is still yep. pretty popular, and it's Ernest Hemingway's first novel. So um, my guess is that that might receive a bunch of attention. Uh, and then I think as uh, as the great Gatsby, Gatsby tabletop role-playing game said, uh, Bambi, the novel, will be coming into the public uh, domain. Yes. Right. But not and, the film, right? No, definitely not the film. Yes. <laughs> um, and then Winnie the Pooh as well. I know that's one of those sort of mixed ones where there's more than one publication, right? Right. Well, um, the character... But I believe Winnie the Pooh. I think the character like predates it because it was from a poem, but then the first official Winnie the Pooh was later. I, I feel like we looked right. at this in 2022. It, it's the first, it's the book called just Winnie the Pooh that is like hmm. the first volume of stories about Winnie the Pooh written by A.A. Milne. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then also, also, now this one I'm a little unclear about, just the, the Wikipedia page on things entering the public domain in the U.S. says that the 1927 German film Metropolis is entering the public domain, but I don't quite understand how that works if it's 1927. Uh, yeah, unless it had like an early release. And... It says, yeah, copyright administered by a foundation. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to dig into that one because yeah. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, though, um, 
you know, we're always, it's always a fun project every year. Uh, and we're excited that, that we have all these entrants. We're excited that lots of people check out the games and play them and, and talk about them and, you know, talk about the public domain, obviously. Uh, and so, you know, thanks to everyone. Um, you know, certainly all of the people who entered also our judges, we had a great panel of judges who, you know, put put in time and effort to, to check out all these games and give really thoughtful uh you know uh, ratings on them and comments as well and so we, we really should thank all the judges as well um and yeah I, I don't know is there anything else we need to <laughs> to to make sure we i think that covers it. it this is a blast and we look forward to doing it every year every year until people stop submitting that's yeah. right and and check out gaming like it's 1925 on itch to see all the submissions also as i mentioned you know we're, we're doing spotlight posts on each of the winners uh we just did the first one last week the next one will be coming out tomorrow very similar to what we've talked about here on the podcast but a little bit longer and with some screenshots and all the links and everything so if you kind of just want to see more about each of the games keep an eye out for those yep cool and um yeah that's that's about it and so thanks to everyone for listening as well and we'll be back next week